0: You're listening to the Hire Through Retire podcast with Voya's Bill Harmon, tackling all things from 401ks to HSAs and everything in between. We're talking to the best and brightest in the industry to bring you the latest in benefits, savings, and investment trends in the workplace. Come along with us on our journey to help all Americans become well-planned, well-invested, and well-protected. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hire Through Retire podcast. I'm your host, Bill Harmon, and Thank you so much for joining me here today. You know, we're here today to talk about a topic that many of our followers have likely heard about over the past few years, and and that's managed accounts. It's a topic and a solution, not only growing in popularity, but also in importance for both employers and their plan participants. With that, we thought we'd highlight some of the recent trends and data behind these solutions. And to do that, we're bringing in some industry expertise. So joining me today is Sean O'Brien, the Associate Director of Retirement at Cerule. Ceruley is a research and consulting firm specializing in asset management and distribution trends worldwide. John leads the U.S. Retirement Research Practice, which focuses on the defined contribution and individual retirement account markets. He also leads and supports strategic consulting projects for asset managers on their DC-related market entry and product distribution strategies. <laughs> John, we've got the right person here. So Let me welcome you to our chat and thank you so much for joining us on the pod today.
1: Yeah, thank you, Bill, for having me. This is uh, really exciting.
0: Many of us have heard of Cerule, particularly if we're deep in this business, great work and research that you've done, John. but it would be really good to hear a little bit more about your experience in this industry and how you landed at Cerule.
1: Yeah, sure. So I came to Cerule in um, 2019. Prior to that, I was a researcher at Harvard Business School. So I was co-authoring case studies for a course called Investment Management for Institutional and Individual Investors with a couple of um, finance professors at Harvard Business School. And um, so I was writing a lot of cases, a lot of teaching notes for cases on on this topic. And we really ran the gamut of investor types as the uh, name of the course entails. So we were looking at you know huge pension plans and, and pension risk transfers, as well as you know, robo investing and retail investing. So I really was interested in the defined contribution largely because of that. Because when I think about the DC market, it's really the intersection of individual and institutional investing. You've got the institutional inv- uh, plan um, and you've got the individual investors who are at the end of the day making their own investment decisions to a certain extent. On behalf of themselves within the plan, so I think the interests between you know behavioral finance and those types of things, and also institutional investing and having that kind of fiduciary oversight, were both kind of uh, really intriguing aspects of the defined contribution market for me. And so I joined Cerule, um, and I also was just really you know a research oriented person naturally. Cerule was a, was a great fit for me, and I joined back in 2019 on the retirement team. I now oversee the retirement practice at Cerule. We have a, a great team and some great colleagues on that team. So very happy to be there.
0: Well, obviously, you're the right person with that kind of background and, and passion. you know. And, and there's such a need in this space to where we know that employees are overwhelmed with decisions. And so why don't we start by talking a bit about how to help with that emotion of the decisions when it comes to investing and so on. And And that's really uh, one of the big items in that is the managed account solutions and the whole landscape. So specific to the DC space, there's a lot of opportunity with managed accounts, and that's why everyone's talking about it. So, what does Cerulean report in terms of managed account availability, and how's that grown over the recent years?
1: Yeah, so we've looked at it in in two different ways from a from an adoption standpoint and from a you know statistical standpoint. So we have one our four hundred one k plan sponsor survey. So. Uh, that's a survey we've been running for years now. We run it annually. We survey over 700 401k plan sponsors across plan asset segments. Most recently, it's nearly half of 401k plan sponsors indicate they offer a, a managed account. Secondarily, we also survey DC consultants. So that's your big institutional investment consultants. So Mercer, Aon, Callan, firms like that, but also your aggregators. So uh, Sageview, CapTrust, firms like that. When we survey that panel, that, that percentage jumps up to about 52%. So about 52% of all consultant-intermediated plans, uh, DC plans, not just 401k plans, offer a managed account. They're most commonly being offered as an opt-in solution. So very rarely are they being offered as the QDIA. It's in the low single digits. About 3% of consultant-intermediated plans offer uh, the managed account as the QDIA a slightly higher percentage, about 5%, say that it's being offered as part of a dynamic QDIA, which I think is an area where we've seen, obviously, the magnitude of adoption is still pretty limited there at 5%. But when we look at some of our other data sources over the past few years, as well as this new data source we've gotten from our DC consultant study, which we just launched this year, it has ticked upward. So there does seem to be a little bit a little bit of an uptick in adoption of dynamic QDIAs over the years, even though it's not widely pervasive at this point.
0: And, and it is a growing space and a growing demand for the solution. And, and I think one of the things, I, I just saw a survey result that employee anxiety just in general over the finances has really grown recently. And the number one reason for that was inflation, that they're just really looking to saying, wait a second, my dollar's not going nearly as far. Am I saving enough for what things will cost down the road? and so. That might be a contributor to maybe a greater need, so uh, a greater need for managed accounts. That is so. Based on your research, you know, what are some of the top reasons why employers would offer managed account services to their workforce? And do you hear from plan sponsors that there's a growing employee demand? Maybe based off what I just said, or maybe is it just not as well known on the uh, participant side?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll start off by saying. Um we do see in terms of inflation this is a little bit outside the scope of your question but you mentioned it when we survey retired 401k participants and we ask them what their top stressor is inflation is number was number 1 this year in 2022 by a pretty good margin our data kind of you know agrees with what you're seeing in terms of why plan sponsors offer managed accounts when we we surveyed 401k plan sponsors last year the most common reason was to offer their participants uh, retirement income planning guidance and advice, essentially. So helping them with retirement income planning was the most common reason, followed by just a, you know, something that's more customized if the participant wants it. So something that's more tailored to the participant's needs than maybe a, a target date fund was. That's the second most common response. On the participant side, we don't have really a lot of hard data around that. What I will say is that, you know, I don't know that a large percentage of participants really fully understand what a managed account is. You have to think about it. You know, we're in this industry where we talk about target date funds and managed accounts all the time and customization and, you know, glide paths. Uh, but if you think about the everyday participant, um, they may not, you know, really be able to kind of decipher from between a managed account and some other professionally managed uh, solution, whether it's in plan or in the in the retail market. So I'm not quite sure or I'm not quite convinced that there's widespread knowledge of managed accounts amongst DC participants. And really, the record keeper on one is, is really probably the only one that's introducing them to the idea of the managed account. In a lot of cases, I don't think it's necessarily unless maybe the employer is for certain plans that really feel strongly about the managed account. But um, yeah, I don't think a lot of participants really probably have a great understanding of what the managed account can deliver for them.
0: I'm sorry, I might be giving away my age a little bit here, but this is my 35th year of being in this industry. And yeah. In the beginning, it was the, the product that we had had seven funds and four of them were fixed. So there was a lot of complexity in creating some asset allocation decisions, but we've seen a really good evolution. You know, fund uh, menus got larger. In fact, they probably got too large. And then how do I make these decisions? And then you get these sort of passive asset allocation, and then you get, you know, target base where there's a little bit more of a dynamic. Uh, asset allocation. But then the next level of evolution is exactly how you talked about it with managed accounts. And so when you look at that and you say, well, wow, we really saw a target date fund popularity just grow, but it wasn't immediate. It took some time to understand what this does and why is this good for me. But the next level of evolution is managed accounts. And there, there are unique benefits between the two. For one, Managed accounts has the ability to consider outside assets and not just consider, you know, basically how old are you um, or when you plan to retire, but really think about things from outside assets or um, spousal income or accounts that kind of a thing. So I guess maybe can you share more about what you found when you look at those two? Is there are, are there ways that they can complement the two different products, target dates, and managed accounts, or, or you know, do they conflict? What's your what do your studies show you on that one?
1: Well, I certainly think, and our, our data would suggest that there are ways that the managed account can complement the target date fund. We ask target date managers specifically uh, a series of, to, to agree or disagree with a series of statements related to managed accounts. And there's usually year after year pretty good percentage that say, hey, look, managed accounts can be a complement or complementary to our target date series. At the same time, You also have a large number of target date managers who indicate that managed accounts are too expensive uh, relative to target date funds. Obviously, that's a biased panel because they are target date managers. But I think there's an element of truth there, especially in a very fee-sensitive market that we're in. You're ultimately going to be paying for personalization. There's a premium associated with that. So I think as we move forward and that premium for personalization has kind of come down over the years, the value proposition... Of managed accounts has increased, and I think over time managed accounts are going to be looked at as more of a viable QDIA or component of a QDIA, particularly as I mentioned before within a dynamic QDIA, where it could be the the tail end of that that dynamic QDIA, the second uh, phase, so to speak. I think that's where you're going to see a lot of you know a really compelling sell for managed account providers is on the on the tail end for for participants nearing retirement. So. You're also at the same time seeing some asset managers partner with managed account technology providers. So we've seen PIMCO and American Funds partner with Morningstar to offer personalized target date funds. And, you know, that sits, you know, if we think about a a personalization spectrum that Cerulli will every once in a while publish, and we published it in a recent um, thought leadership piece. I would say personalized target date funds kind of sit somewhere between the full-blown managed account and the traditional off-the-shelf target date fund. Now, you mentioned one of the differences there, which is being able to take outside inf- outside accounts and you know, non-plan information into the picture when you're delivering and tailoring that asset allocation and advice to the participant in a managed account that's something that a full-blown managed account can offer, but a personalized target date fund isn't necessarily doing yet. So there's just so many, there are so many factors as participants are heading into retirement that need to be taken into account that I think that's where managed accounts can really differentiate themselves from other QDIA eligible solutions. I think the real challenge there, it's been a challenge thus far and I think moving forward, it's going to be a challenge when we talk to managed account providers is participant engagement. So in order to get those outside assets into consideration, those outside accounts, you need the participant to engage um, at least once, you know, directly and and thoroughly with the program. Um, And I think that's going to be, you know, the real key moving forward is how do you get the participant to give you that information so that you can offer that more tailored experience. So, you know, obviously record keepers and managed account providers are, are working on that. And I think that's going to be really where you see, the difference in value uh, that comes with personalization between the managed account and target date fund uh, become most apparent.
0: And if you don't really get involved, it is just an expensive target date because it doesn't exactly. have any, you keep using the word personalized. The managed account technology doesn't know who you are as a person, then it doesn't know how to create that customized uh, asset allocation that really takes in so many other components into consideration. Right. I love how this talked about evolution. You know, we we talked about this, where we went from a target date to a full-blown managed account. Maybe there was something in between with more of a personalized target date. Maybe another level of of evolution is this new idea of advisor-managed accounts. that's gaining a lot of popularity because that really gets to getting better engagement. If you've got an advisor-managed account program um, being offered by an advisor that's giving one-on-one participant guidance and advice, That's a really good tool to help get those participants more engaged. The tool and technology allows them to really factor in additional participant information, just like what we were talking about. And so does Cerulean then report out on any trends in the growing interest of advisor-managed accounts as we're looking at this maybe from the advisor-consultant lens and maybe as to how advisor-managed accounts might complement their offering in the DC space?
1: Uh, yeah, we do. Um, and we've really just recently started to scrape together some interesting data around advisor-managed accounts because, you know, it, it, big picture is they're relatively new. They've only been really around for a few years now. And at a high level, what we've seen, and, and this is kind of, you know, not breaking news here, but it's it's largely a lot of your retirement aggregator firms who have been most active in the advisor-managed account space from the intermediary perspective- what we did this year is in our new DC consultant study, we asked consultants if, uh, about their top strategic priorities, and we found that when we cut the data by institutional investment consultants and aggregators, um, aggregators were much more likely to note advisor managed accounts as a top strategic priority for them. So growing that business, when we sized adoption it was about 3% of consultant intermediated plans offer an advisor managed account. While, on the surface, that doesn't sound very high. Uh, these are also very new. They're, I think, largely being offered in certain segments of the market rather than um, you know across all market segments. So I think the mid market is probably where you're going to see the most uh, action there if I had to guess moving forward, just based on the types of intermediaries who are who are really most active in this space. and when we asked basically we we gather. Uh, managed account asset data from a couple of different sources. One, we have our managed account leaderboard, which has all the top managed account providers. And we, we publish that in our quarterly edge series. We also um, asked record keepers about managed account assets on their platforms. Of the record keepers we surveyed this year in the fourth quarter of this, this year, it, there was more than 8 billion in advisor managed accounts uh, on their platforms compared to a little more than 480 billion in traditional managed accounts. So. Uh, still a a pretty small slice of the managed account pie, so to speak. But I think when you think about how really uh, nascent this trend is, it is, you know, a good amount of traction, pretty significant traction, I would say over, over, you know, what, a two-year period since they really started coming to market. So definitely interest to a certain extent, there is some level of adoption. And I think you know, when you think about all of the different stakeholders who are at play within a, a managed account program and specifically an advisor managed account program, you, know, you have a lot of vested interests. The advisor, it offers the advisor an opportunity to introduce certain financial planning services uh, to participants who might benefit from those services as they're nearing retirement. The record keeper is obviously, you know, going to partner with the plan advisory firm to offer this type of solution in the managed account platform provider. Um, and so all of those parties have an interest in, in delivering this, this kind of, um, added benefit to participants. But I think specifically when we think about the advisor managed account, the ability for the advisor to say, Hey, look, participant, look, we can offer these types of financial planning services outside of the plan. If this is of interest to you. I mean, it could be situation, situationally within the plan or outside the plan. So I think it's just, you know, kind of. One more resource for participants, especially as they're nearing retirement and they need that that added support. I do think there's a compelling value proposition moving forward for advisor managed accounts. I just don't know if you're going to see it across all plan asset segments.
0: During this conversation, we talked about different types of employees and how managed accounts can benefit them. We talked maybe about those maybe with smaller balances or those that are uncomfortable uh, making asset allocation decisions, but we also talked about those that are nearing retirement where oh boy, I'm coming up to this this moment. I don't want to take a lot of risk. What's the appropriate amount of risk? How do I do this? But there's also, all of this is talking about accumulation. And I think the industry's done a good job on helping employees figure out what the right amount of accumulation is. And every uh, record keeper's website and planning tool can give them that number and transfer that into a monthly income in retirement. But then really, even more important is the decumulation. Now that I've got this um, dollar amount that, hey, the calculator told me that I did it, how do I take this money out? And by the way, spend wisely and don't run out. And so are there any trends that you're seeing you know, with the rise of managed accounts that can actually support this concern? I, I got to imagine everyone nearing that magical date is saying, oh my goodness, now what? So maybe you could talked about this um, generation right here and some of the trends you've seen. That can help them with decumulation.
1: Yeah, sir. When we when we talk to managed account providers um, and we we look at their solutions and you know see what's under the hood, a lot of them have done you know made really great strides in helping participants plan for retirement, that retirement readiness, offering those kind of guidance based uh, experiences within the managed account related to Social Security and 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 other decumulation you know really tough decumulation decisions. You know I think the the area where we talk to managed account providers where you know they're looking to innovate is on turning that that nest egg into a paycheck in retirement and doing it in a really tax smart way. You know an example of that is perhaps financial engines income beyond retirement. They came out with that earlier this year. They had income plus for a while. Income beyond retirement is in in my eyes just a you know an enhanced version of income plus where Um, There's kind of a growth component and an LDI component from a portfolio management standpoint. But you're looking at decumulation in a holistic way, and that's the key. I think that decumulation is just really, there are just so many interrelated decisions and tough decisions that participants have to make. The managed account, in my eyes, if we think about creating retiree-friendly plans and certain plan sponsors wanting to keep participants in plan in retirement, I think the managed account uh, is, is going to be or should be a very valuable tool for participants who are heading to retirement because there are just so many decisions around how to plan for healthcare because healthcare expenses are enormous in retirement, when to claim Social Security and how Social Security should factor into your drawdown phase, how you should be withdrawing from various accounts um, in a tax-smart way, all of these considerations. And when you think about inflation, you know we mentioned at the beginning of our chat, you know social security income is one of your best inflation hedges that you have you know in your quiver, so I think that uh for participants, just understanding that and, and understanding how social security you know something as simple as social security can can help them offset uh to a certain extent their you know inflation risk it could be can be you know enormously helpful so You know, I think that, you know, I'm a big believer in managed accounts being, you know, something that's going to play a central role in retiree friendly plans moving forward, especially for those plans that want to keep uh, retirees uh, in plan.
0: I guess, in other words, you thought that trying to decide how to go ahead and um, allocate your assets amongst these 30 funds, you thought that was difficult. Now (laughs) determine where to go ahead and appropriately take on a tax efficient basis or tax optimized basis from these five different accounts and make sure you don't run out. Exactly. You're right. that's, yeah. a, that's a talk about personalization. Yeah. You know, Sean, this has really been a great conversation. I, I wanna thank you so much. This has been really great background for the audience and helping provide a state of the state on, on this really important topic of managed account solutions. So if I could, let me wrap it up by asking one final question. You know, we've talked a lot about the trends that you've seen uh, today. Is there anything employers should think about from a trends perspective on the horizon particularly as we look to the new
1: year. You know, I think there are two things that come to mind. If, I, I know this is, you're asking me about one trend. I'll give you two. One thing that's top of mind for me right now is ESG. You know, we just had the uh, the final rule come out from the DOL. So I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, for plan sponsors and fiduciaries in general who were maybe hesitant to do anything on that front because they didn't know how that final ruling was going to look. They have at least, um, they have some clarity, at least in the near term until, you know, we, maybe there's a change of guard in a couple of years in the, at the DOL and in the White House, right? But, you know, I think that's one where I'm, I'm really, um, that's really top of mind for me. And I think in the industry right now, um, and I think personalization is also another, another big one. You know, I, like I said before, you've had a couple of target date managers come out with personalized target date funds. I think there are going to be more target date managers that come out with personalized target date funds partnering with Morningstar or other managed account providers like that. But I also, you know, you also see other asset managers who are are leaning into that personalization. And so I think that's going to be an area where asset managers, if they're looking to differentiate themselves from other asset managers in this crowded space, are going to look and say, hey, look, how can we deliver something that's um, more tailored to the individual than a typical off-the-shelf target date fund, And how can we do it at scale?
0: Yeah, and I I agree with you. Personalization, of course, the data requirement to go ahead and really deliver Mm -hmm. something personalized. Yeah, those are big, big topics. I want to thank you again, Sean, for your insight today and for joining us. This has been a great conversation.
1: Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, pleasure to to be on here, Bill. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Absolutely, and I also want to thank our listeners for joining us today. As always, please stay well. This information is provided by Voya for your education only. Neither Voya nor its representatives offer tax or legal advice. Any opinions expressed within do not necessarily reflect those of the Voya family of companies or its representatives and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Please consult your tax or legal advisor before making a tax-related investment or insurance decision.